Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode. I sit down with Cass FX and she's an absolute delight. We get we get deep today with some dark records. All of her choices uh, are caked in uh, in eyeliner and uh, a minor chords and it's uh, it's my kind of chat because when Cat sent over her uh, song list I was like oh, man I love every single one of these tunes. It's literally like that would be all on one of my little Spotify playlists. So um yeah, we have a good, good chat. Cat's uh, band is, is currently signed to Creation. We talk about uh, Alan McGee and we talk about uh, how she met Alan uh, many, many moons ago uh, and how she got reintroduced to Alan and signed. Uh, we talk about everything. We talk. I mean, she moved around a lot, you know, and to find herself. I mean, there's a story about uh, a, a weekend away. Uh, at 14 uh, to, to go and watch placebo and and where that ends up is 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 crazy you, you know she's she's really sort of clearly pushed herself to be you know to to introduce herself and and to push what she does and and you know and to get that that music heard and and it's it's been a, a really interesting journey and, and, and completely open and honest and we, we touch on um uh, struggles with mental health and yeah a really really open honest and lovely chat so you're you're, you're in for a treat today um it gets a it's a little bit at the beginning where sometimes uh, it gets glitchy but we we uh we, we sort that out about three four minutes into the the conversation uh before we get on to that conversation a few thank you so thanks to scroobius pip everybody at the distraction pieces network thanks to 76 for producing this uh and always the biggest thanks go to you lot for continuing to support off the beat and track podcast uh and yeah if it's your first time listening go check out the back catalog um go get stuck in because 350 episodes i mean there's that's a lot of podcasts there and uh I mentioned Alan McGee there. Go check out my chat with Alan. That's an amazing chat. Um, yeah, you can hear me talking to Foo Fighters, Motley Crue, Suede, Idols, Sleaford Mods. Gosh, where to go from here? There's so many, and I always say the same ones. Um, and yeah, bundles of actors, bundles of comedians, producers like Fatboy Slim and Butch Fig. Uh, a real who's who of, of, of amazing creative. So go check out the back catalog. Better still subscribe. You get a couple of episodes every week. Um, and if that's not enough, uh, I'll put up radio shows, video episodes and such. And, and there's a huge back catalog of a few hundred episodes over on my Patreon. 
Uh, and that's the thing that if you really like the podcast and you'd like to support it, it costs you 79p a month uh, and you get bundles of other content over there. And you can watch all of these episodes as well over there. Um, I think I'm done. Uh, all I'll say is that if you need to find out about any of that stuff I've just mentioned, off the beat and track podcast.com. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Kat. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track Podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stew Whipping. Right, we are recording. Joining me today, Kat, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Where are you today? I'm at home. Where's home? Uh, it's Earl's Court, London. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Before we get into um, your playlist and stuff, Kat, I just want to ask you to kind of, because there's been lots of announcements this week that restrictions and stuff are being removed again and then hopefully normal life can start to resume or, or, or a new normal, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think I speak to so many musicians and actors and, and, and people in the creative fields whose livelihoods have been so massively impacted uh, by the events of the last of couple of years. I just wondered yeah. if you were to sort of look back over the, those last sort of 18, 19 months, how has that, how has lockdown been for you, both personally and creatively? Mm, personally, at the start of it, uh, it was okay because I could still write with my um, writing partner, Gordon Mills Jr., and I could still go to his studio and, and do stuff. But as soon as, like, the proper lockdown came, uh, like my men- I, you know I have mental health issues and like it, it just became absolutely fucking unbearable like um, you know uh, no it, it yeah I, it, it, it it was it was horrendous I got to a really dark place uh, I, I it was and just I think because you know it, it's the outside world that inspires us and inspires well my lyrics and stuff and you know like when you're just watching the tv and all you're seeing is like death 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 you know it's not uh it's uh, yeah so it was it was definitely very very hard for me was and it i think it sorry no go on no go on and i think it you know at the start i had a lot of lyrics but like by the time it was that lockdown 
uh, where, you know, you couldn't see anyone or, or anything like that. Like, I couldn't write, I couldn't do anything. My head was just... Well, did, you, did you find like that kind of being starved of that kind of human interaction and connection was was the thing that kind of, you know, made it a lot worse? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and, and just at the time I was, where I was living wasn't very nice either. Um, and it, it just all kind of came together as one big cluster. And um, But definitely not being able to, luckily I, I've got two dogs, so I was able to like go out for walks and stuff. But uh, And they like literally saved my life. But um, yeah, I found it very hard to be like, you know, not have the, the human interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more, Kat. Okay, well, look, let's, let's talk records. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to ask you for track one to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. It, firstly, for me, last night I dreamt somebody loved me by the Smiths. Yeah. I just, when I hear the intro, I don't know, it's like, it's so, it makes me so, I remember when I was a teenager and I heard it and I was like, oh my God, that's just, that's beautiful. So just for me, it, like you know, and as soon as you hear it, you know it's that song. Yeah. And then, of course, the song, the song itself is fucking beautiful. Um, and it's so. such a long intro as well, isn't it? And it's yeah, like... that's what I like about it. it. They really make you wait for the song. Yeah. <laughs> and but, and when time, it drops, like, it fucking yeah, yeah, drops, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, uh, I think was yeah. Was it a single? I think it might have been a single. And I just love the fact that the music industry then, and I guess uh, Rough Trade, and and the, the power and influence that, that Morrissey and Ma had at that point was like, mm. yeah, we want to put this out as a single. Because if you look at, I guess, the, the mid to late 80s, which was a boom in like overproduced pop and stuff like that you've got this fucking crazy band fronted by this yeah incredible but he, wasn't he wasn't he a journalist first yes Is that right yeah yeah, yeah. He, he wrote a fanzine he started um he wrote like a fanzine That's in the right. uk for the new york dolls um he was uh he was a real one of my uh, favorite well one of my, i would say one of my favorite but more the heartbreakers than yeah, new york dolls absolutely yeah but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that's really crackers about it is the fact that um, I, I was speaking to uh, Mike Joyce of the Smiths on, on, on this podcast, and he was saying that I think when they were like 22, something like that, um, and they were basically playing, the Smiths had exploded and were, were playing these sort of huge shows in the States and stuff like that. And Johnny Marr was fucking basically managing the Smiths as well as writing all of them songs. <laughs> That's uh, mental. <laughs> I don't know what you was like at 22, but I couldn't fucking, I wouldn't be able to manage a piss up in a brewery, let alone write uh, the I, amount I, of songs that Marr wrote. I, I was completely <laughs> off my face at 22. <laughs> I don't even know what fucking happened that year to be honest. <laughs> but I guess that's the most twenty-two-year-olds, right? The last years. <laughs> oh, amazing! Cat, there's something when you your voice goes up, something's yeah. glitching, 
Like, is it? I don't know if you... Is your mic on your headphones? Hang on, let me take them off. Hang on. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Just turn you up. Hang on. Okay. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I just thought it was incredible that this 22-year-old was managing, you know, one of the, you know, the, the most exciting new bands on the planet whilst, you know... When you look at the, the, the duration of the Smiths, it wasn't a long time. And when you look at what they've done within that time, it's just incredible to, to, to capture someone like Johnny Marr at that moment of that creative just fucking output was ridiculous. And to think that he was also yeah. managing the band, he just, you know, if you ever need any more reason to love Johnny Marr, it's right there. It's crazy. Yeah. Sorry, it's really low. Took them off. The voice went really low. Oh, sorry. Is that all right now? Yeah, it's great now. All right, cool. Um, so you're a big Smith fan? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the Smiths a lot. It's, it's not one of my favourite bands, but uh, the lyrics are off the scale good. And, uh, you know, they're, they're an incredible band. But as I kind of, uh, like, grew up, I, I got into more darker kind of kind of things oh i've seen your list we'll get to them don't worry about that (laughs) um when it comes to writing songs you've you've just chose uh last night i dreamt somebody loved me which if you know if you took that to a record label now i'm sure they'd be like seriously that's not going to get on the radio that's not going to get on a spotify place they'd probably fucking laugh you out the building wouldn't they exactly which is which is crackers because you know Art is art, isn't it? And it should come in whatever form yeah. the artist wants it to be perceived at. So with that in yeah. mind, when you write, mm. are you ever conscious of kind of, you know, that, that mindset of like, we'll trim a bit more fat off of that and let's maybe start with a chorus or let's, let's hook them right from the beginning. Does, does any of that sort of filter <laughs> into your writing process? Um... Not, not really. Um, obviously, when you're writing something, you know whether you want it to be a single or album track. And if it's an album track, you can be a bit more avant-garde with it, let's say. But definitely, if I'm writing, you know, a single or, or something, that then definitely you're aware of, of you know, trimming a bit and and yeah and making it more hooky yeah okay i'm gonna take you back for track two and i'm gonna ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please cat it was atmosphere by joy division that'd do it wouldn't it (laughs) jesus christ yeah (laughs) so i um I, I didn't get on, like, didn't have a very nice home life. And uh, the, my best friend, her brother, older brother, was, was a goth. And I used to bunk off school and go round to uh, their house. And he just would play me all these records. And I remember, like, sitting there and I was smoking a joint and, like, he put that on. And I was, I, oh, my God, I, I don't know what happened to me. I felt, I just felt like it was just this. Like it was speaking to me, just like the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard at that point. It was just, yeah, and I just burst into floods of tears. And 
And from that moment, I was just like, oh, my God, Joy Division. But uh, I was in, like, a small town um, uh, near where we'd moved from Wales to this other place by then. And, like, the, the nearest, t- like, town was Worcester. And I couldn't get there because, like, there was, like, you know, <laughs> there was one bus a day, I think. And uh, when I finally did get there, uh, get in, I, I, I managed to find uh, Unknown Pleasures. And, uh, yeah, so that was that was the first. I mean, if you want to talk about life-changing yeah. records, that's up there, right? Yeah, definitely, 100%. Uh, and, it, and then, of course, when I saw his, like, performances on Tally, and I was just like... <sighs> Why did you die? <laughs> it's so sad, the story behind it as well. It just, you know, I, I feel like, it, you know, some people, they they burn out so young because they literally put everything they have, like their whole, like, soul into something. And uh, Ian Kurtz's lyrics are just <sighs> everything. Just off the end of I just, it's the whole thing is just to me still like mind-blowing and I can still put that record on and and you know it it does something different every time you know it it, it always hits the spot (laughs) absolutely I saw um I saw New Order about maybe about six weeks ago at at the O2 uh how was that um well Hookie's no longer in in New Order as uh and it was the first time I'd seen him without Hookie I'd seen him a few times previously um, and I'm, I'm not particularly interested in seeing like hooky Peter Hook and the Light performing unknown pleasures and things. I'm not really that no, that, that keen on that. And definitely not, mate. <laughs> yeah, but but Bernard Sumner, I think, is you know an, an absolute dude. And and yeah, do you know what? It's probably the best I've ever seen him. And and I think a lot of that maybe come down to it was the first kind of gig I'd seen post lockdown mm. and just hearing you know feeling that sort of connection between yeah. everybody was lovely and but yeah they they encored with um transmission atmosphere and then finished on love will tear us apart and uh I, I've literally just got goosebumps saying that which is uh, bananas I can't even know. it must have been amazing and it's just obviously it's not Ian singing it but yeah, the you know the closest thing to that is going to be Bernard. It's the closest thing, um, yeah. And it, it was it was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And uh, mm. yeah, when you watch them old performances on on So It Goes or or, or you know whatever you know what other TV shows they were on back in the day, and the, that kind of trance that Curtis is in, it's just yeah. like mesmerizing. And no one moved like that. No one. No. You know. I. I, I, I tried in my early days to copy but I, <laughs> I couldn't because I just remember like thinking it's the coolest thing ever but he, it is literally like he is in a trance yeah, yeah. it's uh it, it, it's mesmerizing that's the amazing and, and the whole thing as, as tragic as it is just kind of plays such a key part in the whole kind of fairy tale and, and magic of, mm. of Manchester and of factory records yeah. and of the Hacienda yeah. and the whole thing. And yeah. I remember going to see uh 24 hour party people at the cinema and just thinking, how are they going to make this work? You know, he's, 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 he's Coogan going to be able to play Tony Wilson. But I thought Coogan smashed it, man. Absolutely. And that scene, <laughs> smashed it. 
uh, Ian's funeral when they cut between that and the the atmosphere video of just mm. the big banner and the the, the, the kind of the, the people in the cloaks like carrying it and like fucking hell like yeah. just heart wrenching and I, I, I imagine that was Anton Corbin shot that video it, it looks mm. very Anton Corbin uh, and it just adds to the kind of depth and darkness of of of, of Joy Division yeah oh yeah. You've got great picks, Kat. You've got great Thank picks. Thank you. Um, and I mean, just on that, and um, talking about the first, you know, the first one that had an emotional impact on you, if you had to kind of pinpoint what that emotion was, what do you think it was? Uh, I, I was just going to say, I, I felt like I was, I, I felt like I was, I was being understood. <laughs> and at the same time, that, just everything that was happening in my life, I, I could finally kind of cry about. If that makes any, I'd found like it. It, it was I'd found like a. It, it was also quite soothing. I'd found something for me, like if that makes sense. Hundred percent. I think when you find, <laughs> and, and I think bands like Joy Division and this and the and the Smiths as well. Like when you know you're young and you're having a tough time and you suddenly you hear this and you get that feeling that, Oh, I'm not alone here. Like, yeah, you know, you find, and, and, and that's why I think people, you know, find such, you know, throw so much devotion into bands like Joy Division. Comfort, and, yeah. and, like, and it is because it's like their lyrics are comforting because they kind of, you know, it is like a kind of weird hug and, and, and understanding, and it's like, yeah, you're not alone. We're, we're like this as well. You when know? I when I heard she's lost control, I just I I just broke down. So I was like, oh my god, like he's talking about me, you know? And it was like, this is incredible. And that you know, uh, a 23 year old, 22 year old kid can write lyrics like that is, you know, it's just exceptional. Absolutely. Absolutely. Track three, Kat. I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, mate. <laughs> Placebo, Pure Morning. Okay. I mean, <laughs> again, what? It's, it's getting darker and darker, and I'm loving it. <laughs> There's more and more eyeliner as we're working our way through this. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, tell me about that, like, because was that your kind of introduction to, to placebo or, you know, was that was, was that, uh, was that second album? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I was uh, in a comprehensive school and um, I was like, I had no friends at all and uh, we just moved quite a lot when I was a kid. And I just felt very like isolated, and um, and I made friends with the girl I was talking about before. I had the goth brother, and uh, and I went round to her house, and she had MTV on, and like I saw Biomark, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this is so this! I love this song. I like it's just this is amazing, and it was just so cool, and and I so." I already knew, like, at that point that I wanted to be a lyricist and a singer. Um, and, like, when I saw it, I was just like, this is just, this is absolutely awesome. And then I just, like, hardcore got into placebo. <laughs> I, I had to post on my wall. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was amazing. And then um, my dad... Uh, who lived in London at the time, I, I found out they were playing at something called the Big Day Out Festival at Milton Keynes. And he got me a ticket and I bunked the train at like 14 years old and went to Milton Keynes Bowl on my own to see Placebo, who were amazing. And I got backstage somehow <laughs> and I was wandering around like Nine Inch Nails, Queens of the Stone Age, Placebo. I was like, this is amazing. I was seeing all these bands. Uh so yeah, and then I and then I, I got a lift to um to London on uh, Queens of the Stone Age tour bus. That's a very resourceful fourteen-year-old cat. <laughs> <laughs> and I came home like I don't like two days later. My mum was like, "Where have you been?" And I like I dyed my hair black, and I had. Uh, just before I left and I had on like you know the little glasses that Gary Oldman wears in Dracula like, I was like shut up mum I've I found my tribe <laughs> a little twat running up to my room to put my placebo CD <laughs> so, yeah, oh wonderful <laughs> thing is I like placebo again have got that obsessive cult following you know, yeah. still to this day, like you see their shows, they're still playing in Europe and they're like huge, like this in South America. Like, they're, they're, they're just... fucking amazing, man. They've got banging Nancy Boy, what a fucking tune! Like, just awesome, you know. And I think they're one of them bands that, like, you know, I think they've got, they've got new music out at the moment. Um, but if you, you look at Placebo and you just think, I'd, I'd say to anybody, go and just check out the greatest hits of placebo if you haven't for a while because yeah. you'll go, oh, shit, they've got, like, 15 amazing, like, amazing yeah. singles. Like, yeah. 
and there was, you know, them first four albums, I think, man, we're just on fire, like, just, and and didn't sound like anybody else. Brian didn't look exactly. like anybody else, and they made a serious racket for a three-piece. Mate, I know, that's the thing. That's the thing. Mm. I, 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 you know, when I listen to it now on, like, decent headphones, and, you know, <laughs> or in the studio, it ain't, that's exactly what I think for a three-piece. Fuck, man, they really... Yeah knock it out absolutely absolutely well you, you mentioned you know i just want to talk about school a little bit and you mentioned that you sort of moved from sort of pillar to post and you know school to school mm. and and i mean that 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 must be difficult for for, for a, 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 any kid to have to experience that but did uh, i normally ask guests if they enjoyed school but i imagine that <laughs> is probably no, I, uh, a strange question to ask somebody that just kept having to move schools Oh, it was, um, I was happy in primary school and then like, uh, my, my, my parents split up when I was 10 and, um, my mum remarried and we moved about three times and like every, it was really hard to fit in. Uh, and yeah, I just, I basically dropped out of school at 15 and, um, and fucked off to London to, to stay with my dad. Um, because it was just, there was no point because you can't really concentrate on your schoolwork or do anything like that if you're being bullied and, you know, you're miserable, which is how I felt. And anyway, I didn't give a fuck because I wanted to be a musician, so <laughs> I don't really care. I just w- w- want to sort of talk about confidence. And uh, it, I, it, it seems like for somebody that had to kind of restart schools and and, and be the new kid, which is shit, and and to have yeah. to sort of do that several times, like, did that give you a kind of sense of independence, a strange sense of independence and confidence that would, I guess, then present itself in somebody that would bunk the train to a gig on their own and get backstage and, and meet people and introduce themselves to people and then to go on to, to now and to, to get on a stage in front of people and, and, and be an artist and... and you know, perform, entertain and command, you know, attention and, and uh, you know, and own a stage. Like, what, what's your kind of relationship uh, with confidence, Kat? My relationship with confidence? Well, I knew um, I lost my dad uh, to, let's say, alcoholism and suicide and uh, that kind of really hardened me up. Uh, when I got when I first came to London to live with him, um, you know, I was just like this goth kid that was just so happy to be out of my mum's house and out of that fucking school. And I did like run riot a bit, but I was able to like create a persona of whoever who I wanted to be, you know. And then I th- I think confidence wise, it's taken me a long time to have like confidence when I had my first band when I was 16 um I was uh, you know I'd do mad shit on stage like set my dress on fire and stuff (laughs) but it wasn't like real confidence I think I've only like you know uh towards like my late 20s actually developed like early 30s developed proper confidence um but yeah I I mean you know it's it's I'm not a super confident person. If I come across as one, it's uh, just <laughs> a bit. It's not not an act, but um, but yeah, I, I I've got like really 
fucking horrendous anxiety. Um, but I do find now when I'm on stage, I can like, I can channel it and get it all out. Yeah. So it, it really, really helps. I, I feel like I've grown into myself, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely, yeah. So was there never any kind of question as to what you wanted to do when you was at school? Nope. <laughs> no, from when I was like, uh, when I, oh God, when I was 12, I won the Times Poet, Young Poet of the Year competition. Uh, so I was writing poems and lyrics, albeit quite dark, <laughs> from, from an early age. Um, and that's all that I, I kind of wanted to do. And then obviously when I started getting into music, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. Track four, Kat, I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store. Uh, every Me, Every You, Placebo. See, normally, this is the one where guests choose something really embarrassingly shit. You've just gone for a cracker. <laughs> That was like the first CD. The first thing ever was uh, Unknown Pleasures. Oh, even cooler. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing ever that I that that I saved up for, and that that was uh, vinyl. But um, the first time I went in and, and got us, it, it was every 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 you every every me every you. Or is it every you, every me? Which way? And every you, every me. It's every me, every you, I think. One or the other. It's one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Loads of my my mates are in the video to that. They were at that concert. uh, Is that Brixton? Yeah. And uh, and like literally, so we was all just like slowing it down on our VHSs, like going, "Oh look, there, there he That's is!" There amazing. he is. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst all these girls wearing tiaras, and uh... kids today will never know the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing! <laughs> so, as, as, as somebody that you know would go and, and save up their vinyl, uh, save up their money to buy unknown pleasures on vinyl and 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 stuff like that, did. Did record shops become like a an important place for you? Yeah, I used to love, well, I still do, like hanging out in record stores. I also really like um, when I'm in like a weird town, some like or whatever, going into like charity shops. Because if you, I don't know if you've ever done it, but if you go through uh, like the the vinyl section, so some you find some banging shit sometimes, like. I haven't found like a uh, like a white label like I don't know Happy Mondays or something yet. But, you know. I uh, I always do that like religiously. I will uh, uh, go and and just sort of just try and find. There's a really good one in Highgate. It's a huge charity shop in Highgate, and uh, I used to always go in there. But the thing is, in so many, what you have to get through. 80% of every charity shop's records is... Cliff Richards, them, Christian Hit. Always that. And know <laughs> them retrospective Top of the Pops albums we've like from the yeah. 70s with the sort of always like a bikini-clad woman on the cover. Uh, yeah. And it was never the original <laughs> versions on the B-side. It's just some in-house band playing all the covers of the hits. There's always shitloads of them Top of the Pops albums. Always the best of ABBA. 
like but everyone owns that anyway and it was like yeah but the, it is it's just that kind of like searching for gold isn't it there's just yeah. you might find this little nugget of gold in there exactly i, I, I love, i'm like that with tried shops in general i that's my i love it like you know searching through the racks of clothes as well yeah. you never know what you're going to find <laughs> um I'm going to ask you for track five to tell me the song that soundtracked your time clubbing. And, and I imagine the world of clubbing uh, <laughs> as, as, as a young lady that had moved to, to London, what a great place lit. to go and expand, you know, experience <laughs> clubbing. Yeah. It's Sin by Nine Inch Nails. What a song. Mate. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a complete Nine Inch Nails obsessive, yeah. like obsessed. And it was, um, Electra works and there used to be a night called Slime Light and it was like goth techno <laughs> kind of uh it was it was it was like the best night ever. You know, when you come out every time at six AM off your nut like having done but having danced the whole night, the whole night and all these like amazing looking people with all their like goth finery, you know, and like really, really over the top outfits and, you know, just, yeah, that, that song, whenever that song came on, everyone would just like <laughs> to the dance floor. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, pretty hate machine, Jesus, you know, Oh man, where, where, where to start up. with that? <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. I yeah. don't even know. That, that was... was something else. <laughs> I, I, I live in Essex and, and um, I run a, a, what was a goth club and a new romantic club. And uh, and it's just like, an, it's, it's the longest running alternative club in, in, in the UK. And uh, an Ari Nass band uh, back in the 80s was Depeche Mode. Like they, they were our residents. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so my venue's oh, called God. the Pink Toothbrush and it, it, it used to be called Crocs uh, in the new romantic days. And, yeah, we've got lots of kind of mad stories of, of, of the kind of what happened in them early goth years and, and the new romantic times. And, and we're obviously fiercely proud of Depeche Mode being our sort of hometown band. That's and, amazing. Uh, so I was obsessed with like this kind of dark electronic stuff. Mm. Like, anything that was on mute records just like blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, this, this is like... But I was also obsessed with guitars and, and, and noise. And then all of a sudden... I heard it was probably Sin. Maybe I heard Sin before Head Like a Hole. And I was like, oh man, they've got all the cool dark electronic shit. And then they've got fucking noisy shoegazy guitars over the top. Yeah. yeah. This is incredible. And then you see. And, yeah. And then you see Trent Jesus. live. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. And like, it was just different <laughs> level. Trent Reznor is a god. And like, he's got on to prove it because. You know, the, the, the scores he writes for movies and television, yeah. him and Atticus Ross, they're just absolutely... How... I don't know how it is possible to... You know, if you take something like her, it's so simple. And he... he convert, oh, He's just a genius. He's a brilliant songwriter. I love his voice so much. It just... You know, you know it's him. And, uh, and I just... 
yeah, they're, they're one of my favourite bands. <laughs> Have you watched the, the the documentary where he breaks down Hurt on on Netflix, where he's he's at the desk and he's he's talking about writing Hurt, and uh, there's a series it's, of it, and they do loads of different like different artists with different tracks. Is that the um the the Defiant ones? Uh, is that it? And it, it's Jimmy Oveen and all of. No, oh, oh, hang on. Was that was that the one that was about Nine Inch Nails, where he talked about how like touring was killing him? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was amazing. But there's one. It's a song exploder. It's called, mm. uh, and it's oh. on Netflix, and it's about, like spin off of the podcast. And basically, they I just write that down. <laughs> it's really good. Like you've got REM doing like losing my religion, and you've got like more sort of modern stuff as well. But they've got Nine Inch Nails talking about hurt. And Harry I'm really it. excited. I'm going to watch like, it as soon as I can. Oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. Hang on. Is it her or is it, I just want something. No, it is her. I just want something oh. I can never have. Oh, mate. Maybe it's that, actually. Either <laughs> way, you're viral. in for a treat. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an absolute cracker. So was clubbing always for you? Uh, sort of slime light and, and, and the kind of alternative scene? Um, then it was uh, Errol Alkin's Club Trash. Oh, mate. Which Wonderful. just was the coolest thing ever. There was another club called Club Kitten that was in uh, Camden. Um, but Trash and Slime Light for me were the ones. Uh, Errol used to, he, he did this remix and it's called Smells Like Teen Booty, I think. Yep. <laughs> It's a mashup of Beyonce and Nirvana, and as far as fucking blinding, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's amazing. When I started clubbing, I used, to, uh, we used to, on a Wednesday night we used to go to a place called the Gas Club in Leicester Square, and uh, and there was this night called Automatic, and it was this like tiny little midweek indie night, and the warm up DJ was Errol, and uh, and it was before he was Errol all kind of trash. And uh, yeah. and now you just think he was the guy that was playing the really good stuff before like the headliner <laughs> come on, and I was like, now you think like he's playing all the stuff that makes everyone want to dance, and like, and then fast forward yeah. a couple of years and he's owning it at Trash, and, and he's like, gone on to become a mega producer. And I saw so many great, great, great bands at Trash as well. You know, when they were just. Coming out and they come to London. Uh, yeah, it's a great night. Well, it's literally they had like stuff like yeah, yeah, yes, didn't they? And yeah, yeah, yes, moldy peaches, peaches. Uh, Did they have LCD? Yeah. I'm not sure. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. Like we, I've, I've had so many guests on here. Like I think the first ever episode of that with, with Block Party that they would just literally said we met at Trash. Uh, you know that was you know. That's where we met, and it just seemed like it's amazing that these little kind of club nights, the people that go there. That the, the, I, I had uh, Tim, who owns Transgressive Records, uh, on, and he said, you know, we would go, and we started that label. You know, Toby from Transgressive. Yeah. Toby out. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We kind of grew up together because I was... He's, uh, we, we would, he, his dad would drive him to all the gigs and he'd come in and review and he reviewed my first band Vince Fiasco and uh yeah and and then you know I I went to Italy for a while because my dad's from Italy uh so I've got family there so I went uh, back to Italy for a while and then I saw him at a White Lies concert uh about four years ago and he was staring at me and I was staring at him and he was like cat and I was like Toby yeah <laughs> he was like, I was like where the fuck like, yeah, I, I do this record label now. I was like, oh, I knew you'd do something amazing. So, <laughs> well, well, speaking of, 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 you know, incredible label owners, um, you're working with Alan, right? Yeah. He's my manager and my label boss. <laughs> I mean, what, what an absolute gent he is. I've got to be honest, I had, I had Alan on, on here uh, a while ago. I used to do a show on Boogaloo Radio, as did Alan. And, uh, and it was the only time that I was nervous about meeting someone for some, right, honestly, that face Why? you just pulled is the same face that everyone else pulled up. For some reason, I thought Alan was going to be really spiky and like, oh. and, and like, and, and is he going to really judge me when I talk about music? And within about five minutes, I just thought he's one of the kindest, nicest people I've ever yeah. met. And, and like, he's fucking hilarious, and isn't he? <laughs> we had such a blast. He's been on a couple of times now. Uh, and, yeah, he was such an absolute, you know, absolute gent. And, uh, and so how did, that, how did that relationship come about, you meeting Alan? I first met Alan when I was 16. I had a band called The Vincent Viasco. We opened for Interpol and did doing well, and we played at Death Disco. Uh, and then... Uh, we broke up and um, I went to Italy and when I came back from Italy a couple of years ago uh, there was a film about Alan Creation Stories mm-hmm. and I was uh, I played an air hostess in it um, and I was on set and I kind of like turned around and he was like cat and I was like Alan 
we had like a massive hug and then he said what are you doing I said well uh I'm with Sony ATV like as a songwriter that's what I'm doing at the moment um but you know I want to start up like a music project and uh Gordon Mills Jr who I write with is he's fucking amazing we have the exact same music taste so we did a single theme generation our first one uh, Alan signed us and we we took it from there <laughs> wonderful wonderful right well for track six I like to take yeah. guests home to uh, 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 to tell me a song from an artist from my home county. Where's Where's home, Cat? <laughs> um, Wales and Italy. <laughs> okay. My right, my mum's Welsh from Pontypridd, uh, and so I so I and I kind of spent my early years in Wales. Uh, so yeah, my sixth track is "Motorcycle Emptiness." By the Manics. That's a good one, right? Um, I I love the Manics so much, so 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 much. Like, I love Richie's lyrics, and then they're so dark and so brilliant. And then it's all put into a three-minute song, belted out by James Dean Bradfield, that makes it. Like usually lyrics like that would be very hard to digest but because James has just got this stadium voice you know the way that they worked together was was unreal uh, that song is just like oh the intro to that's pretty fucking great as yeah. well to be honest it's, it's so weird isn't it like when people talk about great vocalists I think people always overlook James Dean Bradfield his voice that is ridiculous guy, He's off the scale good. I've seen them live so many times and like that voice is stunning. It's a really stunning voice. And I think when you get that relationship in bands and um, to go back, I, I mentioned Depeche Mode a, a while ago. Obviously, Dave Garn doesn't write the songs. Martin writes the songs. But when, and the same obviously with Richie and Nicky, like when you get a vocalist in a band that can take that and sing it with such conviction that you'd never question that it wasn't coming from their heart. That is what that is what has always like like blown me away. How I don't know. James seems like you know your normal down to earth cool geezer. Do you know what I mean? And then he's singing those obscure lyrics with such as you just said, conviction, that they could be his. Yeah. And that, that's a fucking talent. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that first Mannix record, like, it, it, it was so strange. It come out, like, I'm, I'm 48, so that kind of dropped when I was about 18, 17, 18. So it come at such a, a, a perfect time for me as this kind of Ooh. angsty teen. And, but it was like, you've got, all of this kind of music, like the Wonder Stuff, Carter and EMF, mm. and all of these bands that were like, none of them were doing anything. It's like Grebo. Like Grebo, yeah. It was all Grebo <laughs> stuff. And then all of a sudden, you've got these, you've got, I don't know, what, what are they even look like? Slogan t shirts, white no, jeans, you know, covered in like eyeliner and like looking like a hybrid of early guns and roses and 
and the New York Dolls. And yet, and they're they, coming out of fucking South Wales. And, and, and quoting like, fucking Chuck D and like, yeah. and, and just making these fucking super angry, amazing records. Yeah. And, and it just, it sounded like nothing else. And I think, first Mm-mm. of all, the press just didn't take them seriously. And I guess until Richie done the for real. Uh, on his arm with Lamac, yeah. yeah. And and I, I see them very early on. I see them at um the Town and Country Club. And uh and it was just after Nicky Warren said something quite bad about Michael Stipe, who was I think I remember probably the biggest band in the world at that point. He said something pretty narky about him. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've never listened to Nicky Wire on the Adam Buxton podcast, go and do it. Because he plays a game with him where he quotes and he says, Was that you or was that not? Uh, and some of the shit he said back then. I mean, it's hilarious. Even Nicky's like, fuck, man, I said that, didn't I? That's terrible. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing. But, um, but I remember just seeing them, and and they, I think they had, like, a, a half pipe on stage, and, like, James would, like, literally run and just jump off this half pipe, and it was so amazing to see this... And it was like nothing else that was going on at that time. They didn't yeah. sit in any kind of genre that was that was going on in, in in guitar music. And one minute you've got like Slash and Burn or Repeat or Love Sweet Exile, mm. and then the next minute, I mean, oh, Love Sweet Exile, what a tune! Oh, they write amazing guitar, yeah, angry songs, but they've got pop at the heart of them. They're, they're one of my biggest influences for Curtis Effects for sure. My my favorite by my was Little Baby Nothing. I love oh, Little Baby Nothing, and it's like it's 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 like fucking Abba. It's pure pop. It's perfect pop, yeah. and like and they've got that that runs through their yeah. whole career. They've got such pop sensibilities where yeah. they know that everybody's going to go fuck when that chorus drops because it's so good and so instant. They, they wanted Kylie on it, didn't they? They did, but, but uh, Tracy Lewis well, that even better. Yeah, Kylie was bang up for it, but the label were like, oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Get Tracy Lords, that'll do. Yeah, man. <laughs> Makes more sense. Makes more sense given the subject. Completely. It? Completely. Last track, Kat. Uh, you get to play Tastemaker DJ here. A song Excellent. that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. It's a song called Bloody Motherfucking Asshole by Martha Wainwright. Okay, tell us um, about it. Uh, I was uh, in in therapy, let's say, uh, having and um, and the therapist, this, this one of the, this guy named Steve, who <laughs> was like, "Have you ever seen uh, Beavis and Butthead where they've got like the the teacher that's like, okay." <laughs> I was like it's total hippie dude from San Francisco but uh, he was like I really think you should listen to this and I got it home and I was like this is the most cathartic beautiful like this is really amazing like just brilliant songwriting and uh, and it, 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 it it's beautiful and it's the lyrics are raw and and spot on and i think i've introduced that song to a lot of people and they've all gone wow yeah well you've introduced (laughs) it to a lot more now cat and we 
we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go Amazing. and listen to all of the, the songs that we've had a natter about today. Um, Brilliant. As 2022 starts to kind of gather a little bit of momentum and, and it looks like gigs are, are, are going to continue to happen, hopefully we'll get festivals this year. Um, what you got coming up? I mean, what, first of all, what are you looking forward to personally from this year and what's going to be happening professionally? Oh, we've just come off tour of cast. Played, How uh, oh my god, fucking! Uh, it's amazing to be playing gigs after all of this shit is one thing, but like playing with them, they're the I love, love, love that band, and they're the fucking coolest guys. And the venues, oh, Liverpool was mind blowing. Yeah, because like they, that that gig's been put off for two years, and I love Liverpool. I love. I love the place and it was just it was it was amazing and then we're supporting them next Saturday at Shepherd's Bush Empire which is wow. mental uh, I've always wanted to play there so it's exciting uh, what I'm looking forward to this year uh, I think our best single yet is coming out uh, on the 25th of Feb that's called Rodeo and I'm just looking forward to playing as many gigs as possible as many festivals as possible and just playing live playing live playing live because we've been completely like devoid of it for for two years man you know two years without without that and i just think it's just most exhilarating (laughs) thing ever and everybody the, the amazing thing also now is that you know i think people have gone fuck they really appreciate it a million times more we all go oh, okay maybe we took that for granted and 100%. so yeah it's it's a big group hug <laughs> love it love it cat if people want to keep up to speed with uh you and the band where's the best place to kind of keep up to speed instagram okay and what yeah. do they search for on there cat underscore sfx wonderful if it's cool with you when we put this out i'll tag you in it so people can find it super easy if that's all right amazing Kat, yeah it's been an absolute joy chatting tunes with you <laughs> thank you for having me absolute pleasure thanks loads mate thank you there you go how cool was cat cat cool for cats Cat, oh, sorry, that was fucking terrible. How cool was Cat? She was, uh, <laughs> she was super lovely. Um, I knew it was going to be a good chat, as I mentioned at the beginning. When I saw the songs, I just thought, look, these are absolute bangers. Any excuse to talk about Nine Inch Nails, Placebo, The Smiths, Joy Division, like it's it's amazing. What what a amazingly interesting. I mean, if someone needs to write a book, I, I think she's uh, she's definitely got a great book in her. And I mean, just you know scratching the surface of some of them experiences that she's you know found herself embroiled and involved with you know i'd love to you know i'd love to know what else was going on there must be so many other situations and people that that she's met and you know just super interesting human being and and super kind uh and open and honest so yeah so big love to cat thanks ever so much for coming on uh and, and and talking uh so openly and honestly um thanks to you lot for listening again i'm back next time in the meantime uh just be nice to each other and uh and and stay happy and uh and big love bye-bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network me stew with him. Eat it, monkey.